Hi, Fresh Head listeners. It's Will. Before airing today's show, I want to make a few announcements. First, Fresh Head wants to hear from our listeners. We have listeners from around the world. The top three cities where listeners come from are New York, Toronto, and Seoul. Lately, I've seen a lot of listeners tuning in from cities like Santiago, Chile, and Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. To get a better sense of who you are and why you listen, I wanted to invite listeners to leave Fresh Ed a short voice message. You can do this online, right at our website. Look for the Get in Touch box on our homepage. You only get 90 seconds, but that should be more than enough time to tell me how you found out about the show and why you listen. Of course, if you don't feel comfortable leaving a voice message, please consider filling out our audience survey just above the Get in Touch box. Second, Fresh Ed is expanding. We are looking to bring on a few more committed volunteers to help grow the show. If you're interested in working with an energetic team, please send us an email at info at freshedpodcast.com. Again, that's info at freshedpodcast.com. Lastly, I am deeply saddened to inform you that Jeff Witte passed away two Fridays ago. Professor Witte had an illustrious career in education. Associated with the Institute of Education for 50 years, he was a major figure in the field. To celebrate his life, I want to replay my interview with him and John Furlong from last year. Here's to you, Jeff. This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. How is education studied around the world? Are there different knowledge traditions to the study of education? Have there been changes over time? And what has been the impact of globalization? My guests today, John Furlong and Jeff Witte, have embarked on a collaborative research project that thought to understand how the study of education was configured in different countries. Uh, We brought together Australia, China, France, Germany, Latvia, and the USA. The study draws on these different countries and we try to distill from what we found out about the study of education in those different studies a number of different knowledge traditions. The project has resulted in a co-edited volume entitled Knowledge and the Study of Education, an International Exploration, which was published by Symposium Books in June. John Furlong is Emeritus Professor of Education at the University of Oxford, and Jeff Witte holds a Global Innovation Chair for Equity in Higher Education at the University of Newcastle in Australia, and holds a research professorship in education at Bath Spa University in the United Kingdom. John Furlong and Jeff Witte, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thank you very much indeed. Um, It's very good to be here. It's very good to have an opportunity to talk about our new book. Yeah, good, uh, good to be able to talk to you. So in your, in your new co-edited book, you, you look at the diversity of intellectual traditions and practices that constitute the field of education in many different countries. Uh, and you call these knowledge traditions in the study of education. 
Could you just quickly and maybe briefly explain what you mean by the term knowledge tradition? Uh, we mean distinct approaches to teaching and or research in the field of education, uh, distinct in terms of the basis uh, of what they see that the purpose of uh, studying education as, and distinct in terms of the basis of their knowledge claims, the sort of knowledge that is seen as legitimate uh, in studying education. So, and what countries were you looking at in this, this book of yours? Uh, we brought together uh, colleagues from Australia, China, France, Germany, Latvia, and the USA, uh, and we also looked uh, at the United Kingdom, where we ourselves have done uh, research in the past. So the, the the study draws on these different countries, and we try to distill from what we found out about the study of education in those different studies a number of different knowledge traditions. Now, were these countries selected... Um because they, you thought that they would represent a, a distinct way of thinking educationally, or were there other reasons why you brought this particular group of countries together? Uh, well, there are two reasons. One was that we thought they had interestingly different approaches in most cases, uh, but also because we had limited funding for the research, they were countries with which we were familiar and were uh, already visiting. So uh, there was a sort of principled and pragmatic approach to the selection. But we did actually look at a few additional countries and came down to these uh, six or seven countries on the basis that there were uh, both differences and overlaps. So what are some of these, you know, the broad types of knowledge traditions that you were able to identify across these uh, different countries? Uh, well, um, what we do is actually divide these different knowledge traditions into three different segments. We talk about academic knowledge traditions, we talk about practical knowledge traditions, and we talk about integrated knowledge traditions. And within those, we identify uh, 12 different traditions in all. Though I have to say that these are really a first stab at trying to identify those. And there is some movement between them. And we are simply putting this forward as a way of to start to have a debate about these sorts of traditions. But um, in, in, and they are, they are different in, very, in, in certain very key ways. So the academic knowledge traditions, I mean, what we're looking at is those traditions of knowledge and education that are, that are systematic, that are principled, that have within them uh, established ways of working that a, a, an academic community can, to different degrees, test the rigour and the, um, the, the appropriateness of the sorts of knowledge that's being put forward. So an example might be the tradition of um, the disciplines of education, what in France is called the science de l'éducation, those traditions which are based on the disciplines of sociology, psychology, philosophy, um, history, those economics. Within those traditions, there are clear procedures for establishing and validating knowledge. Another academic tradition might be what we call the new science of education, where um, very, very um, strong at the moment, actually internationally is a growing force of way of thinking about educational knowledge, where there is a strong emphasis on highly rigorous research methods, 
um, particularly notion of randomized controlled trials, where the knowledge is established through those rigorous research, scientific research methods. So these are examples of academic knowledge traditions. We then also look at practical knowledge traditions. Um, so, for example, the tradition which is focusing on standards and competencies, where very often governments in relation to teaching actually define what it is to be an effective teacher, write down the forms of knowledge that teachers need to acquire. Um, those, those things are, are, are not necessarily conceptualised in the same way as academic knowledge is. They are intended to be grounded in the world of practice at the same time. Um, uh, we all have another very practical knowledge tradition that's very, very powerful in the UK, particularly in England at the moment, is what we call network knowledge production, where again, our government in England is encouraging groups of schools to work together to develop their own networked knowledge. So groups of schools will work together on key issues that they're focusing on, whether that's on, on effective teaching, on the curriculum, on assessment procedures. But the argument they are using is that by sharing that knowledge, they're producing more rigorous forms of craft knowledge that actually is applicable in a whole range of different contexts. It has a quite problematic relationship to the world of academic knowledge. Sometimes it's got bits and pieces that are borrowed, but its focus is on shared practice. So that's a very different. Those are different sorts of traditions that are very practical in their orientation. And finally, we look at those traditions which are tended to be integrated, where there is an aspiration to try and bring together the strengths of academic traditions as well as the strength of practical traditions. So, for example, um, the whole um, action research, practitioner inquiry tradition is clearly part of that, um, as is the current interest in um, clinical practice um, for developing new teachers. What those traditions, what those two, both traditions try to do is to put the, the student teacher or the practicing teacher at the heart of the whole process saying that they need to start where their practical concerns are, but then they are supported to draw on academic knowledge, rigorous research procedures, to try and understand and illuminate for themselves what it is that they're dealing with in their own practice every day. So it's an attempt to bring together those two different traditions. Um, another one, rather different, but it's also very interesting, much smaller tradition, a newer tradition, is what we call the learning sciences tradition. This is where it's kind of a development of the new science approach, um, where um, rigorous analysis is undertaken. But this is a tradition which is really takes ideas, a model from engineering, where scientists work together, drawing on theories from theories of learning, theories of artificial intelligence, where they're developing new uh, innovations in, in, in classroom practice. They're then taking those into classrooms um, testing them out, subjecting them to rigorous analysis, and then returning back to the university to develop a further iteration of that whole process. So they're moving backwards and forwards in trying to develop new ways of supporting learning. Um, what's also interesting, very different from um, uh, action research, is that they're also interested in contributing to developing the theory about learning as well. So these learning sciences, again, are kind of in this hinterland of drawing on 
um, academic traditions, but trying to work with them in ways that will actually have an impact on practice in the classroom. They're very closely focused on, on, on real live learning situations as well as um, the academic traditions they're drawing on. So that's, those, that's the broad structure of what we've been trying to sort out. Um, these different three different major traditions which have a number of different elements within them. So are there like strengths and weaknesses that you were able to identify um, among these these three broad categories? One is the focused on academic knowledge, one more practical knowledge, and then one that combines the two of practical and academic knowledge coming together. Are there so like what are the strengths and weaknesses of academic knowledge traditions that you've uncovered? Yeah, well, academic knowledge traditions have uh, a real strength in that they are based on rigorous knowledge that one can test to different degrees. But if you are working within the uh, psychology of education as, a, as an intellectual tradition, there are established procedures by which you can establish the veracity of what it is you are your, your, your arguments your, and your research is telling you. There is a community of people around there within the field of the psychology of education who understand what counts as good quality research. What, and they, can, they can be part of a validation process. The same with all of those academic traditions to different degrees. There are ways of establishing the knowledge and the extent to which what is being put forward is good quality knowledge. And that also then allows that knowledge to accumulate over time. That's its great strength. Those are its great strengths. The weaknesses are that it is often a different sort of knowledge from the sort of knowledge that practitioners in their everyday lives use. It, you, you, that's why it's actually represented in academic journals. Um, it's not the sort, they're not necessarily the sort of journals that, say, a classroom teacher would want to go and read because they're part of a different sort of conversation. They may throw light on the world of practice, but there's a big translation process that goes on, that has to go on. And that's their weakness. The other weakness is that when they, uh, for example, the, 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 the new science of education, the application of very rigorous scientific procedures to, work, to find out what works, it produces forms of knowledge which somehow, when they're translated into the world of practice, have to, they simply reduce the teacher themselves to a technician. They, they produce the sorts of evidence that tells the teacher do it like this and you will get result like this. And that, and, and in fact, in reality, we know that the world of education is immensely complex and always demands that professionals themselves have to understand and engage and interpret findings from research. So there is this big gap and there is a real problem about how those two different worlds, the world of research and the world of practice, actually relate to each other. And I think that's why in more recent years, there has been this interest in integrated knowledge traditions as well. But of course, we go on to the weaknesses of the practical ones. Um, one of the great difficulties there, practical knowledge traditions, is that they are the knowledge that are produced um, through craft forms of different craft training, um, through competencies, um, through network knowledge production. There is no way in which we can actually test the validity of the knowledge that's produced. It's very context-specific. It's very often very individualistic. Um, it may be that it's very closely uh, easy to apply it because it's very close to the world of practice. 
but it is actually very difficult to test when someone comes up with their own theory of how things work, even if they share it with teachers across their school or with half a dozen schools, it's still very difficult to actually test that. And it's difficult to get that knowledge to be cumulative. Then the final one, as I said, is the integrated knowledge tradition, where people are trying to build those things together. So the whole point about the action research tradition is to try and say, we work with people who are located at a particular location, for example, inside the school, but we help them in using the procedures from research to actually illuminate and clarify what's happening in their particular context. Um, so that's those are the three traditions. So those, I think, are really their main strengths and their main weaknesses. Jeff, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, well, I think it's the, certainly the case that the integrated knowledge traditions uh, are trying to resolve some of the problems of the uh, other uh, traditions um, because, in, in a sense, the, the, the key question that, 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 that we end with and don't necessarily answer is what is powerful professional knowledge? Um, in the words of Carl Mayton, uh, it's mastery of how different knowledges are brought together and changed. So uh, in our case, academic knowledge traditions and practical knowledge traditions uh, being brought together in a way that can make a difference. Um, but the integrated knowledge traditions do it in different ways. So the learning sciences, as you said, John, use an engineering model drawing on academic knowledge to produce design solutions for educational problems, whereas, say, clinical practice gives primacy to teachers' professional problems and draws on academic knowledge as resources uh, as and when they may be helpful in addressing them. Um, so there is a, a, a different emphasis. Uh, and I think, to, to, to echo what John says, uh, in, in, in our view, uh, you need both. For instance, a, a purely what works approach to education, which is popular with politicians at the moment, um, is inappropriate and does turn teachers into technicians. Um, because, to put it simply, we don't Teachers have to make judgments all the time, so they don't just need to know what works. They need to know when it works, where it works, why it works, with with whom it works, and crucially, actually, whether um, what they're doing is worthwhile in the first place. And this, this requires, in our view, certainly, the integration of academic and practical knowledge traditions. But integration is really difficult because they are different traditions. They, they have different uh, disciplinary bases, practical bases. They have different truth claims. Uh, and so uh, often they, they speak past each other. Uh, and the big issue for us... Uh, if we are going to have knowledge which is transformative, is to find ways of bringing context-specific and more universalistic uh, knowledge traditions together. It's interesting that you say, you know, the, the what works is becoming so popular in policy circles to try and find out, you know, what are the best practices of for a teacher or for learning. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder, usually or often nowadays, I hear it in terms of kind of global best practices, right? There are these what works in a school in 
Japan. It should also work in a school in you know America or in the UK. Um, and I wonder, you know, you you looked at these different countries and uh, found these different knowledge traditions. And I just wonder, you know, are these knowledge traditions um, how how do they look in these different countries? Do do certain countries emphasize one or do they emphasize all of them? Like how do they actually look differently in these different countries? Well, there's certainly marked differences. Probably the, the classic case is the difference between Germany and France, where Germany has a, a distinctive, rather self-referential tradition of educational theorizing, whereas in France, the study of education is much more closely linked to the broader social sciences. Uh, and similarly, uh, to some extent, in, in the USA. But... You, you talk about the, 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 the what works uh, tradition, uh, which is very popular at the moment. Um, it's part of what Parsi Salberg probably calls the, uh, the global educational reform movement, the germ. Uh, and it certainly is the case that um, some of the approaches uh, in the context of globalization are probably becoming more uh, common across the world, particularly the uh, the new science of education approach, because it's linked to things like the PISA um, stud studies that compare ed the educational performance of different countries. So that's a that's a huge driver um, towards um, some convergence between traditions. But it's it, it's also the case that uh, countries maintain their more traditional traditions while at the same time being influenced by these more global uh, approaches uh, fostered by OECD and so on. Yeah, I think, I think I'd just like to chip in, in there and take that a bit further or give some more examples. I mean, I think it, one of the case studies we're looking at is, is the case of Germany, um, where there has been this traditionally this very strongly philosophical approach to the understanding and the exploration of what um, good education should be for the child, for society. It's a very strongly moral um, approach to um, the study of education um, and, very, uh, and very strongly philosophical. What's been interesting in, this, in Germany over the last few years is the growing number of lectureships and professorships that have been redefined um, so they're no longer within that tradition but they're increasingly uh, taking on the new science of, of education research model. Uh, that's how those, those, those posts are being redefined. And there's this kind of a struggle going on there. We also recorded that struggle going on in Latvia as well, where there is a very particular, it comes from German tradition, but it's also, um, it, it, it has been influenced by, uh, the, by the work of Dewey, by the work of Vygotsky, um, it's a very, very particular uh, and distinctive way of thinking about um, pedagogy. Ped pedagogy. Um, and that has been a philosophical and practical tradition, which is very interesting about the, the traditional approach in Latvia. But again, since the what they call the political redirection of Latvia from the um, 1990s onwards, um, that tradition has been increasingly challenged um, with uh, new initiatives establishing themselves inside the universities, which take this um, new science model 
um, as well. And in fact, inside the University of Latria, there are now two departments, and one of which is uh, based on the new science, one of which is based on their more traditional notions of this philosophical conception of pedagogy. So I, th I think you start to see these sorts of initiatives in a wide variety of different places. And Jeff is absolutely right. There, it isn't that countries are giving up their traditional conceptions about what constitutes um, uh, knowledge within the field of education, but it ha there is evidence from what we've looked at of uh, rather different um, traditions coming in, being particularly stimulated by um, uh, how to deal with performance and working out what works to actually help compete in, in PISA competitions and those sorts of things. Yeah, we could, could also uh, look at, at, at China. We've got a chapter on China. Uh, and rather like Latvia, uh, it's been influenced by different traditions because of political and cultural changes. Uh, and in China, they, they were influenced by the Soviet um, tra tradition for a long time. But they'd also, prior to that, been influenced by Dewey, uh, as it happens, the American progressive tradition. Uh, and they're now uh, influenced by the new science of education. And the, the uh, authors of our chapter on China point to something that's happening now, which is an attempt to develop a much more distinctive uh, Chinese approach to the uh, study of education, study of education with Chinese characteristics, as you might put it, whereby they are trying to reassert uh, traditional Confucian approaches alongside the traditions that have been imported from the West. It, it seems like the new science approach has come up a few times in, in these different countries that you've looked at. Would you say that this is the new science approach and, and PISA and the OECD, it sounds like they have a huge amount of power in um, challenging some of these national knowledge traditions that, that you've found. So from Germany, uh, the move to new science, or from Latvia, uh, and now also China. Well, I, I, I would say yes and no to that. I don't know what John would say. But I, I mean, I think... Uh, it's one of the features of globalization that uh, it is resisted uh, and reinterpreted. So the, 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 as I say, in, in China, uh, they are looking to reassert traditional approaches. Uh, and I think similarly, actually, within uh, the, the UK or the US or Australia, um, teachers themselves are saying the new science is, is not, uh, not enough. Uh, we need our own reflective practice, our own practical theorizing, uh, because uh, education is something that is done in an interaction between teachers and learners and is not something that is spread across the world in some mechanical way. Yeah, I just one little little tweak about the new science. It is important to recognise, of course, that it is actually using the idea of science as how the education is not exactly new. It actually goes back to, um, we trace it back to a book written by a Scotsman, Alistair Bain, in 1879 called Education as a Science. And that is, as a strong tradition was particularly strong um, in the, uh, the first half of the 20th century with a strong emphasis in all sorts of research being dominated by studies of, of IQ, of, um, of psychological testing in a whole variety of different ways. 
What's been interesting in tracing that history is that when we get into the post-war period of the 20th century, then other traditions, psychology, philosophy, history, emerge, uh, and they don't silence that approach, but it's, it's just one amongst many approaches. What's been interested, interesting to watch in the last 10 to 15 years is the kind of rediscovery of the scientific approach to the study of education and its, and its support by governments around the world. That's why we call it the new science, but actually it's very important to recognize that it's a very long tradition in our field. So would you say that the, the approach, the knowledge approach, or the knowledge tradition of the integrated knowledge traditions are the, the most significant um, or for the field of education today or the area that is perhaps the least explored? Well, um, I, I think it is where the action is. Uh, as I said earlier, I think there are different ways of integrating uh, education knowledges, uh, and uh, we, we haven't really uh, got one particular integrated knowledge tradition that, that is dominated. And as, as I said, some of them are driven almost by a top-down model of applying theoretical knowledge to the classroom. Others are built from the bottom by teachers um, studying their own practice and drawing on academic knowledge uh, as a resource. I think what I'd say is that um, it isn't, it's, it's, it's perhaps wrong to think about these as either or. Um, we need high quality, rigorous knowledge, whether that comes through the new science or the applications of rigorous research procedures in a, in a quasi-scientific mode, or whether it comes from knowledge in particular intellectual traditions, whether that is from sociology or philosophy or wherever. Um, we need those uh, rigorous resources, but we also need to think very hard about what are the mediating mechanisms that actually make that knowledge of relevance to um, practitioners, whether they be classroom teachers or, or um, state operatives. Um, and that means thinking very hard about this integrated knowledge tradition approach that we're talking about. I think we're really... Um, only at the beginnings of, think, of, of working out those different sorts of ways. I think there are strengths and weaknesses about the examples that we are able to give at the moment. Um, I do think this, the, um, uh, that some of those traditions have kind of um, great strengths. I think um, the practitioner inquiry model has great strengths, but it also has significant weaknesses as well. Um, and I think there's a lot more work to be done there. I think what we're trying to do is to highlight this is a key area for further work and explicitly for the community and the education community to think very hard about why these, this arena to work in is very valuable, um, even though the examples we've got at the moment are still relatively limited. And, and I would add that I would imagine that these, the exploration of the integrated uh, knowledge approaches, they don't have to be nationally bound, right? Like they... There can be learning across all of these different countries, just as, say, the new sciences has moved globally. Um, there can be opportunities to learn and uh, innovate and adapt these sort of integrated knowledge approaches, um, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of the integrated knowledge traditions, then 
um, practitioner uh, action inquiry that's very strong in the UK, in Australia, um, and in the USA. And there are very strong networks where those people collaboratively work together. The learning sciences, this, this newest one with the kind of engineering model, there is a strong international network of a very small number of high-quality centers around the world. There's centers here, there's a center here um, in, in, in England and in the U.S., and in Singapore has a very powerful centre working collaboratively on these sorts of ideas, and in Sydney in Australia. And these groups actually are working together quite explicitly to develop a different way of thinking about how you link um, uh, economic knowledge traditions to the world of practice. So they are being networked internationally, and it's part of their strength, I think, and it also needs to be part of our future, really. And in fact, uh, part of the project that, led to this book, uh, brought scholars from these different countries uh, to, together in Oxford uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, what was fascinating was while they emphasised uh, the nature of their own traditions in their own countries, we found an awful lot of common issues to talk about. So let me ask you a, a final question. Um, in what knowledge tradition would you place your new co-edited book? Uh, I would say it's located in the disciplines of education approach, but with a strong recognition of the limitations of that approach, um, particularly the limitations in relation to uh, the uh, practical knowledge and the application of knowledge in the so-called real world. Would you agree, John? I would. That's, uh, and... Um, that's kind of where Jeff and I are. It's part of our history. We're both sociologists um, by training, um, but find ourselves grappling with real-life um, educational issues every day of our lives as well. And that's really, the, I think it's that, 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 that history uh, and the context that we work in that we've brought to this particular book. Well, John Furlong and Jeff Whitty, thank you so much for joining Fresh Head. It was really wonderful to talk. Thank you very thank much you. indeed. John Furlong is Emeritus Professor of Education at the University of Oxford. Jeff Whitty works at the University of Newcastle and Bath Spa University. Their new co-edited collection is entitled Knowledge and the Study of Education, an International Exploration. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us on iTunes. It really does help. Fresh Ed is made possible through listener donations. Please consider becoming a member of Fresh Ed by visiting freshedpodcast.com support. Fresh Ed's producers are Sherry Yang, Yuval Devere, Hong Zong, and Lushik Waba. An original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.